I'm very grateful for Acts chapter 27, and of course the story of a massive storm, the Euroclidon is a great storm that's come in that's, con that's really complicated the lives of 276 people, three of which were God's children for sure, and that was Dr. Luke and Aristarchus and the Apostle Paul, three Christians on a board of a ship, but they're the ones that God used to bring that ship to land. It's a great story. So many things I can learn and so many things I think you can learn. I've enjoyed reading it and thank you for staying with me as we, thought, we talk about this particular a storm. Lessons we can learn from a storm. If you just remind me, if you just joined us tonight, let me just remind you about the storm quickly. And uh, then we'll talk about our storms of our life and how there's a lot of parallels that we can, we can put into our own um, uh, lives and what we're going through as a country, as a world, and as a people. And so, first of all, the Apostle Paul is arrested. He was arrested several years back uh, in Jerusalem taken to Caesarea Philippi to escape the Jews who wanted to execute him on their own terms. And so he goes there. He appears before Festus and Felix and then Agrippa. And uh, then finally he appeals to Caesar and uh, he says, we're going to go to Caesar and go see him there. And the Lord has a purpose. From the time that he first chose Apostle Paul to preach the gospel, he said he's going to be a vessel who's going to suffer great things but he will be someone who will speak before kings. I'll bet Paul never thought that was going to happen and wondered how that would ever happen. But God used him in a great way. He was a surrendered servant. I think Apostle Paul was the maximum Christian. I don't think you'll find someone who was any more committed to the Lord in his lifetime than the Apostle Paul. Most believe he passed away in A.D. 66. They, says that, they say that much of his ministry from the time he left... Uh, uh, the Antioch, the Church of Antioch, until his head was taken off as maybe as much as as, li as little as 18 years. So it wasn't a long ministry, but it was a passionate ministry. And I think because it was all about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, that ought to motivate you and ought to motivate me to be passionate about the person of Jesus. I love the church, but the church is not Jesus. I love, I love my friends, but they're not Jesus. I love uh, a lot of things in my life, but Jesus needs to be preeminent. I hope he is in your life, and I hope you'll pray he'll be in my life as well. But Paul is arrested, and he has been assigned to a man named Julius, who I think probably came to know Jesus as a Savior through the Apostle Paul. We don't have confirmation on that, but he's a centurion. He has a hundred men under him, and some of those men are with him on this trip as they will take and escort Paul and several other prisoners uh, to uh, their way to Rome. With that in mind, uh, they go through several things, trying to avoid some storms, some bad winds. They're on an Alexandrian uh, wheat cargo ship. It is, a, it is a ship that has a lot of cargo and primarily food. Uh, it came from uh, Alexandria, Egypt, with a breadbasket of the known world at the time. And now they're making their way across, and they have also uh, been uh, paid the fare. I think Aristarchus and Luke are probably just there to assist and to attend to the Apostle Paul while he's under the care of this Roman centurion. They find a place, and they make their way uh, out of the, the port of Lysaia against Paul's advice. He told them, I don't think you should go. And they listened to the captain and went ahead and went anyway. 
and made some decisions against uh, what God told them to do, and it caused a great complication. It was just a few days later they ran into Euroclidon. It was an agitated, bad storm in the, the Mediterranean Sea, and it caused great problems for them. It left them without hope. They, were, they thought all hope they could ever be saved was taken away, and these guys are skilled sailors, and they're on here trying to get things together, and it's not happening. But then, after a long absence, Paul stands up and says, Listen, guys, the Lord appeared to me. The one who I belong to and the one whom I serve told me we're going to make this. We're going to make it to shore. Now, we're going to end up on an island somewhere. We're going to lose the ship. We're going to lose the lady of the ship. But everyone's lives are going to be okay if we'll stay on the ship. And uh, they, he said, be of good cheer. God's told me this, and it's going to happen. And it's a wonderful principle. I shared that this morning. But I wanted to share with you something very important in the early stages of this particular message. And just a little review from this morning that I gave you. But let's look, if we can, please, at verse number 28. Chapter 27, verse 28. You're looking with me. Boys and girls, find your Bible, read it with us. Teenagers, I hope you'll do the same thing. Moms and dads, uh, take time to look at the Scripture with me in verse number 28. The Bible says, And the, the, the shipmen, or the sailors, sounded and found it 20 fathoms. So they, they, they tested the depth of the sea. It was 120 feet deep where they checked. They thought they were getting closer to some land. It was at night. It was no doubt storm. Uh, was going. The ship was being rocked. They had let it go on her own. They stopped trying to control. They just let it bob out in the ocean, and I'm sure it was going back and forth, but they tested the waters because the shipmen, they were very familiar with the ocean. They're very familiar with sailing, and in their hearts, they perceived we're getting close to land. They tested the, the depth of the ocean, found 120 feet approximately. They tested a little longer, they found it 90 feet. It was obvious to them that they are getting closer to land. With that in mind, verse 29, the Bible says, they in, Then fearing lest we would fall upon the rocks, or been fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. So it was, it was probably the captain of the ship said, Listen, let's drop four anchors off the back of the ship, and let's wait till tomorrow. When we can see a little bit better, I don't want us to keep bobbing our way into land and hit rocks and lose the ship that way. So they put the four anchors on the back of the ship and uh, waited for the morning. In the morning, it looks like to me, the, sh the sailors did something very unusual. They pretended as though they were going to uh, put the anchor in the forefront of the ship and drop some anchors up there. But they had gotten together probably in a huddle and decided, you know what? I think what we're going to do is we're going to die. We, we got to get off this boat. And so those sailors, those shipmen decided, I'm going to move and we're going to let the little, we got one little boat off the side here. Let's get out on that boat. We'll pretend like we're putting the anchor there, but let's get inside the boat and let's take our chances to get out of this thing without a shipwreck. And of course they had, had some issues there and that was the idea. And Paul felt that. And I think, of course, Paul is no sailor, though he has been in several shipwrecks. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll find this was not his first rodeo 
on the open seas. He had already been in several different shipwrecks, so he probably had some ideas of just the experience God had given him. However, Paul perceived that there was some shenanigans going on, and he tells the centurion these words. Would you look with me, if you would, please? In verse number 30. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, get in the little boat, the little rescue boat, and make their way to shore, when they had let down the boat into the sea, under the color or under the pretense as though they were, would uh, put the anchors out in the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. If we don't keep the skilled sailors on the ship, you are not going to make it. I want to give you a couple thoughts real quickly, lessons from the storm. Number one, storms do not make you, they reveal you. When you go through difficult times, the real you is going to come out. If you are self-sufficient and selfish, that's going to come out, especially under pressure. What's on the inside comes out under heat. It's like the teabag syndrome or a sponge. If you've got a sponge and you have seven up in there, you put pressure on that sponge, seven up's going to come out. If you have selfishness, I have selfishness inside of me, under the pressure of difficulty, that is where the, uh, the, the selfishness is going to come out. Pride, it hides. It comes out in the storms. The real you comes out. We often talk, talk about heroes. You know, you know, heroes, some people really step up. Other people, they step down. They went to the same basic training. They went to the same AIT training in the military. They did the same things. But in the foxhole, someone stepped up and someone else stepped down. You know who did it? The real hero stepped up. What was on the inside comes out under pressure. We see this in marriages. People just want to flee. Now, when you get an animal, if you, if you corner an animal, a raccoon or a possum or some kind of animal out by your little trash cans in the night, that, that animal is going to do one of two things. It's going to fight or it's going to flight. <laughs> it's going to fight you or it's going to get away from you. And oftentimes, escape is what people do when they're under pressure. When they're in a storm, they want to get out. When they're in a marriage, rather than work through it and stay on the ship, they want to get out on the little lifeboat and make their own way and try to just to save themselves. They forget about the kids. They forget about the Lord's name. They forget about their vows that they made. They just want to escape and get out and make their own little way because they're self-filled oftentimes. They've had it up to here. They're not going to put up anymore. It's all about them. I find this oftentimes in the Christian work. Christians, oftentimes, they've, they've been faithful in the ministry or they've taught a Sunday school class. One of the saddest things that I can think about is oftentimes I tell people, or I ask people, what did God do to bring you to Christ? They tell me, and then I'll say, now, where is the person who led you to Christ? You know what? They fell away from the Lord. They're no longer serving Christ. That kills me. Who discipled you? They tell me the name of the person who discipled them. Oh, where do they live right now? Oh, you know, they're no longer serving the Lord. It really broke my heart. You know what happens? People get on the little lifeboats and make their way in themselves. They instead of stay on the ship, honor the Lord, help those that follow up, choir members and people who played the orchestra at one time. A lot of people, Christianity is filled with men and women who are used to be Christians. I used to drive the bus. I used to work on the bus route. I used to go soul winning. I used to give out gospel tracts. I used to be faithful Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service. I used to do that, but I no longer do that. They take a little lifeboat, and it's usually 
out of selfishness. And dear friend, let me just tell you, hey, stay on the ship. Stay in the work of the Lord. Stay in that marriage. Stay faithful to the Lord. Stay pure. Stay right. Whatever God's called you to do, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Stay close to the Lord. You'll be glad you stayed on the ship. And here we find these guys are doing the shenanigans and everyone to just act like they're putting out the, lay, the, the, the anchor and then they're going to make their way on the little lifeboat. Paul, the man of God, comes and he gives advice. Paul, of course, he had very little influence starting out. He becomes extremely influential in the rest of the book of Acts. You'll see that. The man who didn't listen to him back on the shores of Lysaia, he's listened to him now. He said, unless you keep the skilled sailors on the ship, we're all dead. We're not going to make it. That brings me to number two. There are many precious people that are servants of God. And you're a skilled sailor. You have two things the rest of us don't have. You have skills and you have experience. And let me say to you, the ship still needs you on the ship. Hey, listen, we still need you. You may have a lot more. You may not have the mobility and the ability that you once did, but your influence, your love, your prayer, your encouragement is still needed on the ship. People still need you. And it is something that oftentimes I want to encourage you. Hey, mom and dad, figure it out. The kids still need you to make it. If they're going to make it to shore, you've got to figure it out. You, gotta, you can't just say, you know what, I'm done with that. I'm tired. I'm getting on my lifeboat. I'm going off. No, listen, friend, we need the skill and the experience that God has given you. He can help you. You've got to stay on the ship. I think one of the ships we've got to stay on is the ship of the local church. Stay in the church. Stay connected. Keep giving. Keep serving. Keep witnessing. Do what God wants you to do. Don't miss the opportunity. Your kids depend upon it. Your grandkids depend upon it. Your Sunday school class depends upon it. That teenager depends upon it. The bus route depends upon it. Some of us, we're limited by opportunities to do what we would like to do at this little season, this little pause of life, this little parenthesis of the COVID-19 uh, season of our, of our, of our world. But listen, stay in touch and stay on the boat. We need you. Don't slip off and do your own thing. Don't fall off the pages of Christianity and live your life wishing I would instead of glad I did. Let me encourage you. Watch out for selfishness in your storm. Number two, stay on the boat. We need your skill. We need your experience. Don't say, I bought the T-shirt. I've been there, done that. I'm done. Put a fork in me. If You know when you're done, when you stop breathing. That's when you're done. If you're still breathing, there's something God wants you to do. And quite frankly, this pastor needs you. The staff needs you. The deacons need you. Some of you senior deacons, and you're thinking about, uh, and I want you to do whatever God wants you to do, but some of you say, well, I just can't do what I used to do. But you know what? We need your skill. We need your words. We need your experience. You've weathered storms as a sailor in the Lord's, in the Lord's seas that we don't know what to do. We need you to speak to us. We need you to help us. We need your presence and your participation. Don't slip off on a lifeboat and try to make it to shore. There'll be others that will not make it if you do that. I think this is a powerful truth. If this is all you want to listen to, you want to cut me off and go somewhere else, that's what I wanted you to hear this morning. 
I want you to listen to that. I believe that God wants me to tell you that. School teacher at our schools, stay in the fight. Sunday school teacher, be a passionate Sunday school teacher. Do the very best you can for the glory of God and help reach your young people. If you work in the deaf ministry, I thank God for Brother Cooper and Miss Maloney this morning and, and uh, tonight Miss Campbell and the deaf ministry. Keep on working with the deaf. Stay in contact with them. I was so glad that my mother-in-law, she's deaf and recently led a lady to Christ over video conferencing. I thought that was wonderful. Keep doing what God wants you. You're skilled. You've got experience. Stay after it. Choir member, orchestra member, uh, those who work in the, in the other ministries, the security. Stay after it. We need you, and God is going to use your strength and your skill and your experience to help others make it to shore. I want to encourage you with that. I think you'd be glad you did that if you listen to this wonderful story. Next, I want you to notice real quickly, we're looking at verse number 32. And the, so and the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. The guy said, hey, get out of the boat, get back on here. They cut the ropes and let the life the lifeboat sail away. By the way, some of us need to do that in our hearts and our minds. Let that little lifeboat sail on, and you help the people on the ship. You know, there are some selfish people on the ship of life. There's some selfish people in the church. But I'm glad for one fella who wasn't selfish, and that was the Apostle Paul. You know what he was concerned about? Would you look real quickly ahead for me and look, if you would please, at verse number 37. And we were all in all in the ship, 200, three score, and 16 people. Is that what your Bible says? Can you read it with me again? We were all in, excuse me, and we were in all in the ship, 200, three score, and 16 souls. I think it's interesting that the Holy Spirit of God inspired that word. He could have said there was 216, 226 people, uh, 76 people. That's what I've said in the sermon. But that's not what the Bible said. The Bible said there were 276 souls. There are people that need Jesus, and souls are going to spend eternity with God or without Him. I mean, I just say right now, if you're listening tonight, and you're not sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. You need to know that. Your soul is going to spend somewhere forever. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. A hundred years from this very crisis, if we were to fast forward to 2120, all that's going to matter to every one of us that's listening tonight is where you live. With a God who loves you or without a God who loves you in the lake of fire. And God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. You are valuable to God. God loves you. He wants you to have eternal life with Him. That's the main message of the Bible is reconciliation. How can someone like me that's a sinner be reconciled with a God who's not a sinner? And that is possible through the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to believe and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Listen, God loves you. If you knew how much God loves you, we would run to Him, not run away from Him. Run to him for salvation. Accept his gift. You say, Pastor, how could I be saved? How could I know for sure when life is over I'd go to heaven? I believe it's very simple. The gospel is given to us in four parts. Three parts we need to understand and believe. The third part we need to make a decision. Number one, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you understand that, friend? 
You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. We sin by nature. No one ever teaches us to sin. We know how to do it. And we sin by choice. And because we've sinned, we come short of what it takes to go to heaven on our own. We are in trouble. Number two, the price of our sin. The Bible's very clear. I wish it said something else, but here's what the Bible says. The wages of sin is to die and to be separated from God. The Bible says there's two deaths, a physical death that separates our body and our soul and from us from our loved ones. And then there is a spiritual death that separates us from God eternally. Oh, friend, you don't want to have to die that second time. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible says that it's appointed to man. For as it's appointed to man once to die. Everybody's going to die once. One day you're going to leave your body. We prayed for a night, a lady tonight in our service. She's 105 years old, Miss Esther White. Precious lady. I visited her, stopped by her house this week. It wasn't convenient to see her. But uh, that lady is going to leave her body one day. And you're going to leave your body probably between now and that 105th birthday. When you do, that separates you from your body, but you never have to be separated from God. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look up in here real quickly, would you please? Listen, friend. God loves you and he's given you a gift. You need to believe it and receive it. Oh, repentance is a change of heart and mind, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting his forgiveness. The best day in the life and times of John Wilkerson was the day that someone showed me I was a sinner, I deserved hell, only Jesus could save me. I believed all of those things, and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. That was the best day of my life. Have you had a day like that? If you can't remember, it's probably because you weren't there. Jesus is willing to accept you and your sin if you would accept him and his sacrifice. You can do that right now where you are. Would you bow your head and pray this prayer? But if you want to talk more about it, I want you to call and get someone explain that to you in just a few moments. But maybe you said, Pastor, I'm ready. God's been working in my heart. I know. I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't reconcile myself with God on my own. I do believe that only Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, can forgive my sin and save me. I trust him and only him to save me. If you say, Pastor, I'm ready, right where you are, would you tell the Lord you're ready? Just say something like, Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to be separated from you in the lake of fire forever because of my sin. But I believe that Jesus died for me and on the cross he did all that was needed to be done so I could be saved. Please come into my life. Forgive my sin. I accept your gift of eternal life. Dear friend, if you ask the Lord to save you, he loves you and he can be the only one that can give you eternal life. I'd like to ask you to call right now. Would you call at 219-932-0711? Let someone speak to you. Tell them that you've got saved or you want to know more information. Maybe I wasn't clear to you. That's okay. Get the clarity you need. I'm not trying to get you to pray a prayer. I'm trying to help you know what it takes to have eternal life. If you need more information, you call us. Let a man with a man, a lady with a lady, 
Explain the gospel if need be so you can have that assurance. Dear friend, if you are a Christian, could I encourage you to make sure you dig down deep and you do some soul searching and make sure that you remove pride and selfishness from you and from your heart. You pray that I'll do the same thing, especially while we're going through a storm. There's just no need for selfishness. You'll find later on the soldiers wanted to kill the, the, the prisoners because they were afraid if they got away, they would have to pay for it. Boy, there's just no room for selfishness in a storm. Don't be a selfish dad, selfish mom, a selfish husband, selfish wife, selfish son, selfish daughter. Don't be a selfish friend. In the storm, we need people that will reveal they have the heart for God. May you have that. Let me I say to you, if you have skill and experience in the work of the Lord, you know who you are. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. You can't make a new beginning, but you can make a new ending. Let's be faithful to give of our best to the Lord. Let's stay on the ship so everybody can get to the shore who possibly wants to, and we can be used of God as tools to help them. 